0: Hey, NoosaCast listeners, you can find every episode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. Please help us grow by subscribing or sharing the NoosaCast or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Now, let's get this show on the road. Everybody knows I've officiated who listens to this podcast. You've had probably the top play that I've ever seen in my life where you hurdled a guy right in the middle of Kimberly's field, right across the K. Absolutely illegal as hell, but the absolute most beautiful play ever. You threw a flag on him? Come on. You threw a flag, yeah.
1: Welcome to the NoosaCast. What is a NoosaCast? It's where we bring local folk stories to life through conversation. Hey, Newsocast listeners, welcome to episode fifteen. We're on getting past getting, getting past those teenage years and uh, working our way through the, the troubling teens. And, uh, you know, just happy that we've made it this far. Uh, Fifteen episodes in, we we have, a, I think, a good catalog. If you want to go back, if this is your first time as a listener, and go back and listen to some good interviews.
0: I agree, Tash. We're, we're finding people all over northeastern Wisconsin to talk to with interesting stories. You're right, 15. Yeah,
1: and uh, I think uh, we have another interesting story. Um, local boy, uh, football player, DJ Stewart, being able to, uh, you know, get out of Appleton and go to a nice program at North Dakota State, and just talking a little bit about what he's doing and what he's trying to do, and um, talking a little bit about those Kimberly years, I think it's going to be a, a nice nice episode for you to listen to, and nice episode to just hear something about uh, you know
0: local player. Yeah, absolutely. Another, you know, kid from northeastern Wisconsin played. I mean, Kimberly still has great programs. We'll we'll talk about the game Friday night here in a second. But you know, DJ was part of the, the Steve Jones run with the seventy straight wins. Uh, the, you know, the the numerous state titles in a row. DJ never lost a, a game in his in his high school career. Pretty amazing. But while that all sounds great, I, I think you're going to want to want to stick and listen to the story because it, it's. It wasn't all easy, Tash, as we found out, but uh, we'll we'll get into that a little bit more later.
1: Yeah, so we had a – it was kind of crazy. My son had homecoming this weekend and went to the Lawrence Chapel, and it always amazes me of what the Lawrence Chapel draws for people to come to take their homecoming pictures. There are kids from New London. There are kids from Winnicottie. There are kids from FVL, kids from East. It was crazy. Not as bad as prom pictures were last spring. But it was pretty crazy to, to get up on the stairs and how, you know, you're thinking about we had Lawrence last week. Just thinking about how iconic the Lawrence Chapel is and how many people have had wedding pictures, yeah. prom pictures, homecoming pictures, oh. uh, senior pictures. Yeah. All on the all at the chapel. It's pretty cool.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's a beautiful campus that the chapel in particular You're right. Like I mean, we, we've said it a few times now for the last few weeks, it's it's. Lawrence university is a gem of the Fox cities. It's it's, there's a lot of hidden places. You're right. For pictures, you go down by the river. Now, some of the trails down there, there's, yeah. you know, those are just packed on some of these nights with with people getting uh, pictures taken.
1: Yeah, it's, it was, it was crazy. It was fun. Um homecoming's always, you know, we talked about it last week. It's always a good time. Uh, FVL and Appleton East took one on the chin each night, but um, you know, those memories are still going to be there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, as we've come to find out, Tash, I couldn't tell you one high school score from from our days. You know, exactly. eons ago. But but you remember that. You know, you remember your friends. You remember homecoming. You remember the the special events. Those, those kind of things certainly stick with you. And I'm sure some of the kids, though, when 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 you're playing football in big games, this this Kikana Kimberly game, Tash, Friday night, that was one hell of a game. I mean, Ed, we yeah. we knew it was going to be close. We, you know, we knew that Kakana had a chance to win, and and. By gosh, they they did win, and it was a good FBA defensive battle.
1: Oh yeah, it was definitely a grind, and uh, like many of these games have been this year. I mean, you have four or five teams in the FBA that can beat each other on any night.
2: And Absolutely, it's,
1: it's been it's been proven. I mean, we've had some very very close football games. Uh, Kimberly's been involved in quite a few where it's been one or two points that separate the winner from the loser
0: that's right it doesn't take much and as mike holmgren was always fond of saying just qualify for the tournament and then you you never know what's going to happen and that's what these teams are going to do both uh kimberly and and kakana are tied now for first in the fva kimberly plays uh appleton north coming up on this friday i forgot to look before we hopped on air who kakana plays but uh, they play appleton east oh okay well uh (laughs) <laughs> I, I well, we're not into the prediction game, but um, oh. <laughs> we, we may have co FBA champions, Tosh.
1: Yeah, that's, it is definitely a possibility. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, it, it'll be an interesting um, look on uh, Friday night, early Saturday morning. Pairings will come out and they'll be able to uh, see who's playing who. I mean, Kakana does drop down to Division II, uh for the playoffs and they have a really good chance at, uh, at moving through the, through the tournament. Um, you could see them down in Madison for sure.
0: Yeah, a- absolutely. It's super exciting time of year. I mean, you have volleyballs and full swing, you it's, stuff's happening. Soccer is starting to, to, heat up here with, with the playoffs. And then of course, week nine and then playoffs of, of football. It's a great time of year for high school sports. Uh, you know, we had Paul Lecker on a couple of weeks ago, with was sports page.com. You can follow him for all the latest at, at that website. Yep. It's It's a great time, but you know what I'm excited for Tash? what's that it's a really good time of year because the fox cities magazine tash came out and it's time to start voting on the golden fork awards oh there you go It's uh you and i like to eat we like to get around check out the restaurants and, and shops in town and I, I love this this i mean it gets you to th- one it just gets you to go try new places um Absolutely. places you don't you don't think of but two it makes you appreciate man we've got some good restaurants in this area
1: yeah, and you know what? It's it's a source of pride for these restaurants as well. And you get voted as a Golden Fork winner, you get your the sign that says Golden Fork winner, what years you were. Um, those are that's a huge a huge uh, accomplishment. And these these restaurants will be going all out, and uh, people need to to get on and vote and really uh, really talk up your favorite restaurant because that's how people find out about restaurants. They they hear it from word of mouth. So.
0: absolutely every time i go to a mr cinders i feel like i'm walking into yankee stadiums monument park with with all the <laughs> all the years they've won in a row it's an, incredible but uh well i don't know maybe maybe the best steak sandwich in the area so well well deserved but yeah absolutely it's, it's the Fox Cities magazine is a great magazine. It's a lot of interest. similar to this podcast. You know, it's all about northeastern Wisconsin. And they've been doing this for a lot of years. And you're right, Tash. It makes a huge difference for, for a lot of these restaurants to get that award and to get that recognition.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we do have some excellent restaurants in this area. Um, I, you know, one of my favorite right now is uh, the the taco place, the new taco place right on uh, Richmond at, Richmond Drive.
0: Oh yes, yes. Uh, tippy Tipsy Tipsy Tip, Tacos, right? Tipsy Taco. Yeah. yeah, that
1: place is fantastic. Yes. Uh, you always go in for a good margarita or and uh some tasty tacos and order them by the just single tacos, nice street tacos and you know get two or three of them and That's right. And and uh enjoy. So that is that is a great restaurant. I think that's been a n- nice addition. Um I haven't been to the new uh Mad Elephant yet which is in the old Houdini building. Mm -hmm. Uh, But they uh, look like they have some good food, some good curry, and also holding some of uh, Houdini's staples. Yes. And we'll be having those on the menu as well. So another great place to check out if you're interested in getting out and about the town. Um, With all the homecomings now done, I think there might be one or two more next week. Uh, It might be a little easier to get a reservation.
0: Yeah. yeah, (laughs) No no doubt. Yeah. uh, Some nights were we're tough to get uh reservations for sure i always like the greasy spoon in the breakfast category tash i i love uh, absolutely i'm you know i'm a little partial i think to mateo's on wisconsin avenue it's been a couple of different places but uh bang for the buck and quality of food my, there's no better breakfast skillet than, than that place so I,
1: that's that's good but being on the uh the East Side, so to speak. I got to go Shriners Diner.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a classic. <laughs> that, that place now. That I love that place because it's one of the few places now that still has the the counter where they cook. You know, they right. cook that guy is yep. a magician back there. Watching that, absolutely. I, one of my favorite things to do is to sit at that counter and just watch him, watch him operate the griddle. It's absolutely, absolutely. nuts. He is a professional. It is. It
1: is a fun place to go to. You get. Good group of people in there, and things are buzzing, and it's just it's fun, you yeah. know. It's, you don't have many places like that anymore, so it's it's cool to go to a place like that where you sit at the counter. So
0: I agree. Gosh, John and Tash, I'm hungry now. Let's go.
1: <laughs> yeah, we might as well. So, um, well, yeah, we hope you uh, enjoy this episode. Remember to follow us on Facebook and X and Instagram and TikTok and subscribe and download wherever you get your podcasts and uh, if you enjoy our uh, throwback to tonight and this episode as well make sure you uh, look at YouTube
0: on Sunday yeah Sunday morning with your cup of coffee really no matter what happens with that coffee experience the throwback will be there for you and help you through that <laughs>
1: hey newscast listeners it is time for everyone's favorite look at history and we're going to take an old look at new um for for this week and i'm going to let joe take over the reins and see what joe has for his uh old look at new
0: well tash i'm gonna uh i'm gonna continue i'm deep diving into appleton back to its beginning almost We, we talked a little bit about about Lawrence last week and, and how it, it started, and it's a cornerstone of College Avenue. So, if we work our way a little bit west down College Avenue, and, and in the 1870s, 1870 to be exact, Appleton was a thriving city of 4,518 people. Augustus Smith was the mayor, and Augustus Smith was a banker so if we go to the corner of college avenue and appleton street right there where city hall is and there there is actually okay. a bank on the north northwest uh, corner we're going to talk about that corner a little bit because that's obviously that's just about the center of appleton there's been a uh, lot's happened on that corner through the years so that corner was really developed in, uh, in around the 1870s so like i said augustus <laughs> smith was the mayor and he was a banker. So, what do all good bankers do? They bank tash. And, and he decided in 1868 he was going to start a bank. He, so he got 12 shareholders together, and November 14th, 1870, they created the first national bank. That bank moved to the uh, Pettibone Peabody Building, which is the which is City Hall right now. Uh, okay between the Pettibone building and City Hall. It was H.C. Pringy Company for a lot of years. Just a side note, Danny O sold suits there. That's true. <laughs> but anyway, for a couple of years, he got his bank going and, and he decided to to build uh, two years or actually within a year, he was super, super successful, needed more space. So he built another building, Kitty Corner from there. So now we're on the Southwest corner of College Avenue in Appleton. And he built a, a building which is actually still there uh it's been several different things i know it's an awesome pretty awesome bakery right now uh right shout out to them because they do give me cookies every once in a while when i do that route yep. so thank you voyager yes yes that's it. voyagers yep excellent sourdough bread Awesome. Oh, so so good <laughs> so good that building opened december 6th 1871 like i said it's still there uh, i'm looking at a photo right now from back in pretty close to that era and it's uh you, you can see that building still looks, you know, kind of the same. It's been painted a hundred times, but forty-three okay. years later, Tash and I—I'm a little too young to remember this—but you know, the Greek Revival structures with the big columns and all of that, just those big prominent uh-huh. buildings. That was built in August 18th, 1913. He he built that bank, the first National Bank, right there, and it stood there okay. in the late 60s, and eventually that. You know, became out of style, and they they did whatever, and and now it's still a bank. But I find that corner interesting. There's pretty much always been a bank at that corner. That's you know the central part of Appleton, central part of town, and it's had a pretty interesting history. So I thought, you know All what, right. let's take a look at the corner of College and Appleton, and in my little look back at new, excellent. That's that's good stuff. I mean, history was history of Appleton.
1: Yeah, that's right where we are. So that's uh that's always good to hear. We don't get to hear that. Kinds of stories. We know they're old buildings downtown, but not about the history of them. So that's cool. Absolutely that's good stuff. Well, I'm going back to the 1870s as well. Um, 1871, as a matter of fact, October 8th of 1871. And if you remember your grade school history, you probably remember what event happened at that time. But it's the Great go Fire. Yeah, October 8th, 1871, and the same night, which gets a little bit more recognition. Is the Great Chicago Fire that happened at the same time? So, yeah, twelve thousand, at least twelve thousand people died. Um, possibly twice as many of that um, as a result of the fire, and approximately eight thousand eight hundred fatalities just
0: in Peshtigo alone. So, you're gonna have to refresh my memory a little bit. It was the Peshtigo fire? I know they were the same night. I know the cow tipped over the lantern in Chicago, started that on fire, or so they say. Yep. But the Peshtigo so fire was, say. yeah. <laughs> uh, so, but the Peshtigo fire was actually bigger, wasn't it? Peshtigo fire was
1: actually bigger. Yeah. Um, and it started in the afternoon. They had, you know, just ripe conditions that year, about two o'clock in the afternoon. And uh, a small, Uh, The wind turned a small fire and it just gradually, the wind gradually increased. Fire alarms went off. And uh, from that time, the fight into the fire all along uh, upper Michigan, uh, tracks south and southwest of the city just took off. And this was in Holland, Michigan. And as the night continued um, and continued to have these winds were a huge force. And at times it blew hurricane force winds, uh, spreading the fire and the flames all throughout that that area of the city yeah that was a that was a huge one right huge huge fire yeah and then chicago you know that's the uh eyewitnesses saw the beginning of the blaze at patrick o'leary's barn <laughs> and uh, no one really knows for sure how that started but they do do say the rumor has circulated that a cow was responsible for kicking over an oil burning lamp and setting the straw fire well, I so, mean, everything
0: was basically made out of wooden straw back then. So you, yeah, you that's see, true. You know, like just inferno.
1: Yeah. Do you remember learning about the Petrico fire in elementary school? Yeah, definitely. And I kind of remember reading yeah. a book
0: about it and, and I've actually, and it's been, you know, 40 years probably, but I do kind of remember they have a, like a museum up there maybe, or some landmarks yeah, or something. Absolutely. So I remember doing yes, a little bit do. of that as well.
1: You know, October 8th, 1871. So that's right during this week in uh, that this episode will come out. So um, kind of look at Wisconsin history there. This is a pretty, pretty big one. I mean, we uh, we all learn about that in middle in middle school, elementary school at some point and uh, continue to take a look at those things.
0: And it's been a summer of wildfires, hasn't it, Tash, with the smoke all ha, through the yeah, summer?
1: Yeah, yeah, that uh, Canada's got hit pretty bad. It's amazing how those fires can influence with the weather an entire other nation. Yeah. So, yeah. Pretty cool. No no doubt. No doubt. From a weather standpoint, pretty interesting stuff. From a uh, human standpoint, not a good thing.
0: Yeah. No, I totally agree. Totally yeah. agree. But uh, yeah, we, we kind of like geeking out on some of that stuff. So anyway, that's our uh, yeah, that's our old looking new Tash, our favorite segment. All right, Tash, I am excited for this interview. I've been. I've known DJ Stewart for for actually a number of years and really kind of got to know him a lot better over the last year. But DJ caught my eye. One, he was just an absolute fantastic athlete at Kimberly. He played, uh, oh, and Steve Jones was at the helm. He won. He was part of that 70-game streak. In fact, DJ never lost a high school football game, uh, which is just nuts to think about. That is
1: amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
0: Four state titles and never lost a game. I mean you know people reminisce that's, about their high school career I, I think DJ has a right to reminisce about his high school career that that's that's nuts that is
1: nuts and they went on to during his time to break the record of Manitowoc the ships who had an incredible run back in the in the 80s
0: yes yes DJ gets into it. he talks a lot about about Steve Jones um but what I was struck by and, and didn't know this about DJ was things weren't easy especially in the beginning it it it, you i think you can almost hear in my voice when i uh, we double back and we ask him, what did you really walk as far as you said you walked to just participate in sports it's you know the old adage i walked 10 miles uphill both ways to school dj literally did that so it's uh it's amazing he he's he's a terrific uh, i call him kid but but he's an adult and and He's a special kid. I, I think it that comes out in this interview, and I'm excited to to kind of be able to have the newscast showcase DJ.
1: Yeah, you know it's it is a good interview, um, and it is you know again we hear about the the connection one person can make to, and how that that has a huge effect on the rest of your life. And he talks about that just like. Coach Zadraga did last week as well, um, talking about somebody who made a difference and took the time to get to know them, and um, basically, you know, springboarded many things for them to come for the rest of their life. So, um, yeah, I think you're going to enjoy this
0: interview, Tash. I think I say this every single episode, and it's a thing that blows me away the most. It's just what you said. What a difference people make. You, you the simple, just look after somebody, help somebody show somebody a sport, any little thing. And we, we found that with, with every single person we've talked to, 15 episodes yeah. of these now we've done, and they all have very similar stories. So for people to think they don't make a difference, you really do make a difference. It's, we have a lot of testimonies that, that say different.
1: We hope you enjoyed the interview with DJ Stewart, and uh, hope you get to know him a little bit better.
0: You played at Kimberly High School, graduated in 2018 from Kimberly, uh, but you had – everybody knows, I've officiated who listens to this podcast, knows that you've had one of the – literally, probably the top play that I've ever seen in my life. Absolutely illegal as hell, but the absolute most beautiful <laughs> play ever where you hurdle the guy right in the right in the middle of Kimberly's Field, right across the K. But, I mean, when somebody does that, it's it's really cool. In high school, and you can't hurdle over somebody that only has two feet on the ground. DJ was able to do that. that that's quite a feat. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that, that was kind of the first time, you know, it's like, holy cow, this kid really has moves. He's, he's, uh, what an athlete this guy is. And you threw a flag on him? Come on. What? Well, DJ yeah. has probably right at it's him. It's a good, what's well, a lacrosse toss straight up in the air. But D, DJ, <laughs> I guess rightfully so, because I actually thought a lot about this after you told me this actually a couple of weeks ago. You said, I understand why you threw the flag, but could you do me a favor next time and hold the flag? because it interferes with my highlight tape because I always forget you guys use everything for highlights and it probably doesn't look so good with you jumping in the air and me just launching a, a flag straight up in the air. So
3: you guys, just, just long enough, just long enough that I was able to use it still. So that, that, that I can thank you guys for at least.
1: <laughs> so DJ, I, I guess, you know, starting off, you know, talk a little bit about your childhood and uh, growing up football. Do you play any other sports besides football?
3: Yeah, um, growing up, I was the oldest child of three, raised here in Kimberly, Wisconsin, um, my whole entire life, uh, raised by a single mother. Um, you know, we, we got by, we did our thing, um, and sports were really kind of like that driving, driving thing for me that really helped uh, continue to push through every day, you know, uh, stay out of trouble, be productive with my life. Started playing football when I was in fifth grade. And then uh, I actually ran track as well. So I ran track, started that up when I was in seventh grade. Um, yeah. Those are really my two main sports other than uh, CYO basketball.
0: Okay. Was the football, was that the Bulldog program?
3: Yep. Um I actually started playing flag football first. My mom said I was too small uh, <laughs> when I was in fifth grade. So I took that, you know, with a grain of salt and played flag football for two years and um once my mom saw what i could do and saw how fast i was growing she finally
0: put me into bulldogs in sixth grade looking back on that though that that was probably the right decision would you say because there, there's probably a lot of benefits to actually playing flag football and just learning how a football field works and how to run around
3: yeah 100 uh i mean i really i think a majority of my moves from flag football obviously you can't run people over in that um you know as much as i wanted to sometimes, but uh <laughs> You know, I had to be able to move from side to side, um, you know, spin moves, different jukes and things like that. So um, definitely helped me in
0: that aspect of the game. So were you the kid in flag football that 20 yards to go in for a touchdown? You ran about 84 yards in the backfield, then found a hole and ran those 20 yards for the uh, for the touchdown.
3: I won't even lie to you guys. Uh, When I started playing uh, flag football in fourth grade, I was not good. I mean, out of (laughs) uh, I was probably like six or eight games, I think we played in a season I had two touchdowns total. Um, And like, you know, knowing my history and stuff from obviously high school, you'd be like, there's no way that's real. But it wasn't until about fifth grade, I started turning into that guy that you were just describing. Uh, I was the kid that was just running around, um, you know, taking a 20 yard touchdown for, you know, making it 60 yards. So, um, (laughs) but yeah, sixth grade is when I was turned into that kid.
1: So do you have any, I mean, thinking back to that time, do you have any coaches you remember from, you know, maybe your early days of Bulldogs or back in flag football that kind of stand out and maybe took you under the wing a little bit and said, you know, yeah, here, here's what we need, what we need from you or here's, here's a, maybe they're good mentors to you or something like that.
3: Yeah. My one mentor uh, that I can really remember off the top of my head was coach Rorig. Uh Coach Roreg coached me in sixth grade. Uh, he, he gave me my big break. Um, they wanted me to play tight end uh, when I got to Bulldog football. And um, I, I really did not want to play tight end. I didn't <laughs> want to block people. I didn't want to do that. Uh, I wanted to play running back. So I begged and begged and begged and begged. And finally, um, Coach Roeg said, hey, we're going to let you play running back uh, against uh, the Little Shoe Jets. Uh, we're going to see what you can do. Um, but, you know, if it's not a fit, we're going to put you back at tight end. And that's just how it's going to be. So um, sure enough, they gave me my first handoff and that thing went straight to the straight to the end zone. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I came off to the sideline and Coach Rorag looks at me and he's like, you know, it was, it was pretty impressive. But uh, you run straight up and down. You got to work on your pad level. But Coach Rorag would be uh, probably my, my first mentor that I had um, in football. You were playing. Did you say you were playing hoops too? the CYOA? CYO yeah. basketball, yep, ah, playing for a Christian youth organization, good times back that, that's then. That's
0: actually a pretty competitive league, isn't it? I think that's still going on around here, and I feel like uh, that can get fairly competitive at times.
3: Oh, it was a big deal to be a CYO yeah, champion, okay. Uh <laughs> real big deal, so uh, sad to say that I was a CYO world champ runner-up yeah. twice, <laughs> uh, didn't quite make it, you know, all the way. What was your position? I, I was all over the floor, I couldn't even tell yeah. you, honestly. Basketball's <laughs> not one of the things that i'm really too uh good when it comes to terminology um but i would just like to say my position was athlete. Uh, i was just all over the place so uh we just uh i just i just was where i needed to be when they told now me sp- to be there
0: speaking of athlete you'd mentioned um you, you were ran track as well you ultimately i think became a really good hurdler right yeah oh yeah yep um i ended my senior year as the
3: 300 meter hurdle uh state champion so that was, a, that was pretty cool, especially because I ran for a guy, uh, coach Chad Weinberg. Um, and he was probably, I mean, he was one of the biggest influences that I had in high school. Oh. Uh, great dude, like
0: really, really good guy. How long i mean, looking back. So when did you actually start to hurdle? I mean, that's, that's difficult to do. It's, it's gotta be even more difficult to master.
3: So I'll tell you, I was, um, I had a friend, um, Austin Wallace. He was uh, a really good hurdler with me as well. Uh, He hurdled in middle school. So I was a sprinter. You know, I always thought of myself as a sprinter. Um, but one day I was getting bored at track practice. Uh, Austin was doing you know, hurdles for his hurdle practice. And, uh, I started jumping over a couple and coach Weinberg just so happened to be at the track when I was messing around over these hurdles. And, uh, he was like, do that again, you know, run over a couple more. So I was like, all right, whatever. You know, I didn't really think I did anything too crazy. Turns out, uh, I guess I was doing something crazy as a as an eighth grader. And when Coach Weinberg saw that he's like, I need you to be one of my hurdlers, you know, (laughs) because that was uh, springtime my eighth grade year. So me and Coach Weinberg worked together. And he was just a volunteer guy like he just loved the sport. So He, uh, me and him worked together in the summertime leading into my freshman year. And I was a hurdler for him ever since.
0: So how do you settle into the 300? I mean, do you, so you go from a sprinter, I mean, do you, have you done, I I don't even know what the different events are in in hurdling, but is there a hundred yard hurdle sprint or whatever? 110?
3: There's a 110 meter Mm -hmm. hurdles. Um, so that's what you'll run, um, as a, as a male in, uh, in high school. Um, and then there's the 300 meter hurdle. So. 300 meter hurdle. Uh, when that was introduced to me, I was like, absolutely not. Heck no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> Didn't want to run anything longer than 200 meters. So, uh, but you know, literally just because of the guy that Coach Weinberg was, I was like, all right, man, I'll hunker down and we'll get it done. So, definitely grinded it out. Wasn't a fan of it my freshman year at all. And then I got into it, into a groove my sophomore year, junior year, senior year. Bring this back
1: a little bit to football. How do hurdles help for your football playing
3: or vice versa? Oh, man, hips don't lie. So um, (laughs) being able to uh, get over a hurdle definitely takes a lot of flexibility in the hips. So, um, you know, having that flexibility, that mobility, hip-wise, definitely helped me. I mean, I was, you know, I wasn't the biggest dude in high school. I was a running back at, you know, 5'11", and. 70 pounds. So yeah. I wasn't running through anybody. So I was either, I was running away. Or I was running, or, you know, running around them,
0: making them look kind of silly. So hurdles definitely helped me out with that one. Just getting back to training. So how long would, how long would you say it takes you to get, okay, you're going to run the 300 DJ, you know, master that to, to get from, from not ever running it to being state champion. Is that, is that, are you doing something year round? I mean, how are you, how, how are you getting there? What's that process like?
3: Uh, I mean, the Kimberly really strength and conditioning programs are insane. So I feel like they all flow in together really, really smoothly, really, really nice. Um, you know, when I first started, uh, it was really mostly just kind of getting comfortable with like a 400 meter. Um, so, you know, obviously in practice, you know, we're running and doing conditioning and stuff like that. So, you know, I'm training there. And then in meets to make it even more intense, you know, they would put me in 400 meter races, just a 40 meter dash and, um, really start to get me comfortable with that. And, you know, once you get comfortable with 400 meters, 300 meters seems like cake. So, um, that's kind of how they really helped me out and train me in that aspect. Uh, it also just kind of helps that naturally I, you know, was pretty well conditioned, um, and then with football training as well, going straight from you know, like tracking a football, uh, it was, it wasn't a super hard, you know, transition. I would say yeah, I was pretty conditioned pretty much all year round. It wasn't until I got into college when I was really like, Oh wow, I'm starting to uh, lose my condition a little bit here. Cause the training was just different.
1: So, so going back, you mentioned Kimberly and you mentioned training program. Um, it's kind of legendary around the Fox Valley and maybe even the state thinking of Kimberly's training program and the number of two sport athletes and three sport athletes coming through Kimberly. When did that training start? Did that hit you in middle school already that you're already starting to see what's going on at the high school. And that's like eye opening. And you're like, this is, this is what I need to do.
3: Yeah. Um, we actually did, uh, I want to say starting in sixth grade, uh, we did like football camps every single Wednesday. It was, Um, and then we did have morning conditionings in middle school as well. So you started in sixth grade, um, learning actually the Bulldogs playbook. Um, so, uh, which was really, really similar to what you would learn as a freshman in high school. So you're running, um, you know, sixth, seventh, eighth grade, you're running that playbook and, you know, you get into freshman year high school and you already know what's going on practically. So yeah. Um, they definitely know how to get us kind of rolling with that. Uh, They definitely know how to kind of get us introduced to it. Um, and I would definitely say that, you know, it was, it was definitely, it was definitely nuts. It was definitely one of those deals where if you weren't really committed to, you know, the idea of the sport and really just committed to yourself, I, I would say in general, uh, definitely would have been something as a, as a sixth grader, that would be pretty,
0: pretty difficult to hop into. So. So going through, you know, Kimberly, obviously, you know, yeah, coach Jones, uh, you, I don't know, did you ever lose a state tournament? I mean, did you, or a state game? Did you win a state championship every, every year of your, of your career at Kimberly football? Yeah. Uh, yep. Football yeah. won four. So one of them senior year. I mean, that's just absolutely nuts. That doesn't happen to other than Kimberly. I mean, what is that? <laughs> I guess it doesn't suck to be a Kimberly football player, huh? No, I would, I would definitely, definitely agree. It does not
3: suck to be a Kimberly football player.
1: You know, you, you you broke Manitowoc. Manitowoc had a legendary record of winning. I don't know how you you broke their record of games, one straight games, one. And I think they won street, three straight in in the 80s. Um, yeah, I want to say they won 45.
3: 45, you know, one, yeah. And um,
1: being part of that, I guess one of the big things is you know you're coming up as a sixth grader seventh grader and is that already being drilled into that you have the chance to be part i mean is it already in your mind that you have the chance to be part of something great when you're moving into kimberly football and as a freshman
3: um i would say that winning was never something that i ever heard preached about uh okay. it was never really something that was ever talked about um consistency uh was definitely a big deal that was talked about um in kimberly football like being consistent um being in t- uh, accountable you know having integrity um those things were the things that led to us winning so winning was never anything that was talked about winning was never anything that was really driven into us it was more so just the culture of everything yeah. around it um and then that kind of brought us into obviously winning as many games and things that we did so
0: i would have to imagine you, you feel your. Pretty lucky to be able to, to go through some a program like that. Of course, Coach Jones being, being the leader and more or less the architect of, of what you just described, it, you run into special people in your life, and the older you get, you you, you realize that you, you know you stumble across these people that are amazing. I, I, I would imagine Coach Jones is one of those people in your life. What 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 kind of guy was he? What kind of impact does he have on on your life? Yeah, um, personally, on my life, Coach Jones was. Pretty much like a
3: father honestly to me um you know there were days that i don't know he he was really just uh he was just that dude honestly i mean i'll never forget the day that he didn't even know who i was he didn't even know you know if i was really even going to be that that special for you know him for his team or anything like that it was you know me and my brother we would uh you know we came up a little on the lower end of the poverty scale so uh me and my brother were walking from you know where we would practice across the street from the YMCA and Kimberly, um, to little shoot. Um, so we were about halfway across the bridge and we had a little ways to go. still. and, um, coach Jones drove past and he noticed and kind of pulled over on the other end of the bridge and was just like, Hey, like you guys need a ride and like, whatever. And, uh, we looked at him with our shoulder pads and stuff in our hands and we're like, uh, yeah, yeah, we would like one. So, uh, we had, we had quite a ways to go still. And he, you know, he dropped us off, didn't obviously ask for anything in return just was just you know and the whole way there just giving us life lessons just talking to us not making it a big deal that you know our mom couldn't come and get us at the time and um just made us feel good so uh he was a dude that you know I would have ran through a brick wall for if he told me to you know I would have figured it out so um personally coach Jones was always somebody really special to me somebody really close to me And, uh, yeah, like I said, I would have done pretty much anything that, you know, he asked me to do just because, um, of the kind of guy that he was, the, you know, he, he practiced what he preached and, um, there's not a lot of people like that really, I would say anymore. So, um, yeah, man, if I could be half the, half the dude that he is, you know,
0: um, I'd feel like I made it. So, so DJ, am I getting this right? You and your brother at the YMCA in Kimberly, the one that's South of the football field in Kimberly. Yep. You guys would walk to Little Chute across that bridge into Little Chute?
3: Yeah, um, if you guys know where that Piggly Wiggly is, way over almost in the corner. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. dude, that yeah, we live back in my neighborhood. Well, that's a. It, how often would you do that a week? Every day? Pretty, pretty often. Yeah, me and my brother would uh, would make it that
0: way pretty often. That, that uh, well, one. Where, where did you go to grade school? So, I, was that something you would do after school, and then then you guys would walk home? Uh grade school we went
3: to every once in a while. it depending on my mom's work schedule, um, if we could like get a ride. Otherwise, like my aunts and my uncles would help out. You know, when I was really young, my grandma would help out when she was still around. Um, you know, drop us off. But grade school we went to Westside Elementary. Yep. Um, so where were we living? We moved a lot, so I've lived in about ten different places all uh, within the Fox Valley. So it's uh got a pinpoint which which <laughs> house i was at at that time <laughs> but uh i mean yeah we would we would walk quite a bit you know or ride our bikes yeah, or whatever sure um so yeah well that's impressive i, I mean on more on than anything model.
0: that's impressive i mean knowing you here for a little bit and the kind of person you, you know you are now and turned into man that that's uh that's pretty cool that not everybody does that That, that that's pretty awesome thanks man coach jones obviously
1: like you said a huge influence in your life was he like that to everybody? Was he like his like, I don't know what you want to call it, his beliefs and everything you guys just buy into because that's the type of person he is. And that's probably one of the big things that helped
3: your team as well, right? Yeah, 100%. He wouldn't treat anybody differently. Um, he was like that with everybody. So anybody that needed help, um, anybody that just needed somebody to talk to. Um, if they took the time to find him, he would be there. So oh, we bought into everything the dude had to say, um, literally because he did everything he talked about. So that's awesome. Um, it was, it was a really, I mean, he's just a cool dude. I mean, the, there's a reason why he is where he is today. Um, you know, talking leadership into these big college teams and, um, you know, these, you know, on the sideline at Packer games and things and, and full Packer gear and headsets. So, I mean, he
0: he definitely there's a reason why he is where he is. So yeah, that's definitely awesome. so you're, you're you guys are playing, you're, you're being influenced by Coach Jones, you're winning state championships, you're racking up yards every game. Great special teams player. You obviously start getting recruited. Now, how did that recruiting process work for you? You ultimately went to uh, North Dakota State, I, I believe. Right. When did that yeah. start for you? Yeah, there you go. Um, <laughs> but what was that process like for you? uh it was interesting it really was
3: um it started with just the small schools um i really started getting recruited heavily after my junior season um that was pretty much like my breakout year where i really started showing people what i could do um it, it started out like i said with smaller schools so you know like oshkosh whitewater stevens point um you know places like that would come into the school sit down have conversations uh, lots of times when i had passes written out for me um because i was going down to student services that's where we'd meet with all the recruiters and stuff like that so um, you know it was was a couple times a week where i was going down talking to different people um and then finally you know the big schools started coming in wyoming north dakota state um illinois state uh places like that you know started coming in to talk to me and uh, then i i didn't i never really understood any of it nobody ever really taught me that kind of part of it uh so i was just pretty confused uh, I remember my sophomore year of high school, you know, thinking to myself that like college wasn't a thought for me once I found out how much it right. costed and knew kind of my, my situation currently at the time. Um, so, you know, college was never really a real thought for me. And then uh, now it's being thrown into my face. So I was just kind of like, I don't know how this stuff's going to work. And, um, you know, obviously the recruiters tell you everything you right. want to hear. Um, you know, we, we got this, we got these facilities, we got this much money we can give you. We got, you know, um, so it was really overwhelming, honestly, but that's pretty much in a nutshell how it all went down. Um, you know, I would just have a pass written out for me. I would collect it. And, uh, you know, I was going down to the, you know, student services to meet a recruiter. Other than that, it was pretty much just talking on Twitter and the DMs and,
0: um, you know, messaging on there. Would you go on a campus visit? I mean, did you go to Wyoming? Did you go to, north dakota did you check out the campuses
3: yeah so the only visit i went on was to north dakota um so i went to north dakota state's campus um was the only visit that i went on um mostly honestly like it was just because of the fact that like we couldn't afford to go um see schools that were farther away um so i was surprised that you know we we scrounged uh we, we scrounged up you know the amount that we did to get a rental car to, you know make the eight and a half hour drive out to Fargo. so um, that was that was pretty much the only one that I took. Uh, there was official visits though that I could have taken. Um, those other schools just didn't really interest me. I came from obviously you know Kimberly a school that was really successful championships you know was very much so associated with it. North Dakota State was coming off, I think at the time four championships in a row you know so I was that was the only one really that made sense for me at the time sure. to go to. Um, you know, if I could go back in time and tell high school me anything, I would say go on all the official right. visits. So <laughs> yeah. appreciate four of them, right? And there was four major schools that were offering. So um,
0: but you know, only made it out to North Dakota State. Did you like school Do you always like were you a good student? Were you interested in the academic end? <laughs>
3: I would uh I would say I was a pretty good yeah. student. Um high school wise, um I probably um messed around a little more than I should have. Uh work ethic wasn't all there. But North Dakota State, I left North Dakota State my last semester with a four point oh yeah. Um I was uh you know I would say I'm a pretty good student. Yeah when I when I put my mind you still
0: like to read you uh you always impress me you sometimes tell me uh you sometimes tell me what you're reading currently and I always enjoy that so that's that's cool to see. Heck yeah.
1: Was there something about North Dakota? I mean North Dakota State something that really interested you that you were like, yeah, this, I think I could, I think I could handle this besides the winning, but you know, like campus wise, the feel of it. Um, was there something that was like, yeah, this is, I could,
3: I could stay here for a little bit. Um, I mean, North Dakota state, it just it reminded me a lot of, you know, home when I went there, honestly, you know, when me and my mom were driving back and my brother and my sister, we just kept talking about how, know it felt like home like it it, did genuinely felt like home and all the coaches were really good people um you know they treated me well while i was there um you know i had a little bit of a disagreement with uh you know the head guy when i was when i was on my way out but other than that you know they they were all really there for me um and yeah just it just felt like home and especially when i got on campus and actually started to like get to know other people i'm like man this is i mean these people are funny you know (laughs) um you know a lot more diversity out you know on a football team you know i had people from all over the country um meeting them and stuff like that so
0: it was uh it was good yeah it was real good when you're when you're in it you're in your dorm you're you're doing classes you're playing football what what's your schedule like is that what is your year-round schedule as a d1 athlete you know just that's got to be pretty insane. It's nuts. Like, I,
3: if if I could put it in one word, it's it's insane, honestly. So we would, uh, I mean, it depends on what time of the year it is, too, because some sometimes the year is sure. worse than others. But when you're getting in there August and you're reporting for fall camp, I mean, we reported for, I graduated as a senior uh, June 1st. I left for North Dakota State June 10th. So we were already in full swing football, getting these captain's practices and everything rolling. Like I was learning right, right. then and there. I was enrolled in my first class. It was English um, already at that time. So it was, uh, it was insane. And then once fall camp starts up in August, uh, I mean, it's football all day, every day for, you know, a whole month straight, that's it. So it was wake up, at the crack of dawn, uh, typically around like 4.45, get to meetings, you know, by, you know, 5.30, 5.15. Uh, After meetings, you would typically go to breakfast. After breakfast, you go hit a lift. After lift, you would go and do practice practically. Um, And then sometimes it was different depending if you're offensive defense, Um, you would go to lunch first or you would lift first. Uh, And then it was meetings again. Uh, You couldn't do two days anymore at that time when I was there, Uh, they pretty much banned it. So we would go and do like walkthroughs. And then we go back in the meeting room, more meetings, team meetings, back on the field again, um, more walkthroughs. And by that time, it was about eight o'clock at night. Uh, You were going back to the dorm, falling asleep. Dorm room was hot as all heck in there. Um, You know, you're just trying to stay cool, windows wide open and um, you wake up, you do it again. And then you go the next day again and again and again, and then you get one day off and then it's back onto the ground
0: again, five straight days in a row. So in season, you have your typical Saturday game. What What, what is your weekly schedule like? Like with, how, how are you balancing classes? I'm assuming there's, you know, travel involved. I'm, I'm assuming you guys traveled by air to, to a lot of Saturday games, right? So you're leaving, what, Friday, getting, you know, your Sundays, things like that, I guess. Can you, you kind of lay out what your week was like, uh, game day week?
3: Yeah, um, so pretty
0: much the game day week, It uh, you were all, you were
3: assigned a designated spot for lifting, um, so that was always really consistent. So um, depending on what time you were lifting, whether it was in the morning, uh, middle of the day, um, or a little kind of like 3 o'clock-ish, so there's always like that 5 a.m., 11 o'clock, and then like that one thirty to 2 p.m. group, Um, and then typically my classes were always in the mornings. So I was at an 8am, um, super great time. So I'd wake up, go to my 8am class, um, go eat, come back to the room, study for a little bit, maybe, um, you know, talk to my teammates, talk to my roommate, whatever, lift practice. Um, and then get home. We always had a team meeting on Mondays. So that was a part of that day. And then Tuesday, pretty much the same exact thing. Wednesday, the same exact thing. Thursday is more of like a game prep, slower practice. Um, still really throughout the day, pretty much the same exact thing. If we were going to travel, we would leave on Friday. Um, we would fly, bus, whatever, and then obviously play Saturday. And that same exact day, we would actually hop on the plane
0: and fly back. So we'd always be back Saturday night if it was in a way I'm always curious. After a game, you guys, when, when do you guys eat after a game you're, do you eat in the locker room before you hop on the plane do you eat on the plane when you guys when, when do you chow down we uh catered in
3: chick-fil-a every single time so we <laughs> we catered in chick-fil-a and uh we got it before we got on the plane and we would eat it on the plane and then the stewardesses would come through you know like they normally do uh with like the garbage bags and stuff like that we throw all our stuff in there you know obviously thank them and then uh that's that's what we would do though we would always eat chick-fil-a i was so sick of chick-fil-a um <laughs> by the end of the season it was crazy even to this day i see chick-fil-a and i'm like it's just not 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 sounding good to me so but yeah we would that's how we would do it kidder and chick-fil-a so
1: after the season's done that regimen kind of changes uh so do you t- carry more academic classes after the season or that next semester or did your class load kind of stay the same
3: Pretty much stays the exact same so yeah. we would carry typically about 15 credits in the fall and then we would carry 15 if you wanted to take another one you could take 18 okay. credits in the in the spring but i mean that's a that's a lot of classes that's yeah. you're looking at six yeah, classes <laughs> so but yeah we typically kept it the exact same we always kept it so uh they, they were really smart our advisors were really really smart because they knew that there would be guys on the team that um, you know, might not do too hot in one class and you need 12 class, you need 12 credits to be full time and right. to be eligible to play football. Um, so if you fail the class, you still had 12 credits that you passed, hopefully. Um, and then you were always pretty much set right there. So we always carried 15 credits from the fall to spring.
0: So you, you play it at North Dakota and you you end up leaving there and you come back to and play at Oshkosh for a year at Oshkosh a little bit different experience, I would say.
3: Yeah, so I went from North Dakota State to Northern okay, Michigan. Okay. I played there for a year. I went to school there for a year, and then um, transferred down to uh, Oshkosh. After
0: that, Northern Michigan is that the is that the indoor wood arena?
3: Yep, biggest. Um, what is it, biggest wooden structure yeah, or something like in North that? North America, in right? Okay. Like
0: that. that place is yeah, nuts. Yeah, yeah, I I cool. a, a lacrosse game in there one time. Yeah, the superior dome. Yeah, that place is cool as can be. What's it like playing football in there?
3: Uh really cool. So uh we played obviously when I was in Fargo, we played in the Fargo Dome. So yeah. I was pretty used to playing indoors, but um the Superior Dome is a completely different deal. Um it's just a big sphere, um, pretty much, you know, like a half sphere, so um Astroturf though uh that was not awesome <laughs> So that was uh always you you were always pretty much shredded up after a game in the superior dome but it was a really cool experience um northern michigan was not doing too hot the, the i think they were one in nine um the season before um so i had transferred like during covid so they didn't play d2 schools didn't play at all during that time yeah um but yeah the year before COVID, they were one in nine and you know when i got there uh, I think we ended the season 4 and 6. So, um it was it was pretty cool to be able to put some some wins in the win column. Um, you know, for a team like that. Um, coaches were all really cool there too. It just I don't know, I just didn't uh just didn't fit in, I don't think there. So, just then I headed out and thought going home to Oshkosh would be a better move for me, play with some um, you know, Wisconsin fellows
0: and uh be all good. You know, you mentioned playing on turf. A lot of those schools. I mean, you played on a lot of turf in, in your life. What? How? How does your body feel right now? Does your? Can you feel it in the knees, the hips? Yeah, I feel like, you know, I got, I'm, I'm, I'm about
3: to be 24 here in a couple of weeks, and I feel like you know my joints still are about to be 90. So, <laughs> um, you know, I, I make do though. You know, they definitely are cracking and popping when they
0: shouldn't be. But well, I'm, uh, I'm double your age, and I can tell you, it doesn't get better. So, good luck. Can't wait, man. I cannot wait. You know? <laughs>
1: You talked about what the influence of Coach Jones was on you. Are there any anybody else that was really a huge influence and a huge person that you remember in your life coming through school or even now at this point?
3: Yeah, I definitely got a shout-out Coach Heisler because uh, he was um, my intermediate school FIAD teacher, um, and he actually got me introduced to Coach Jones. So. Okay i was in fifth grade coach heisler was just so happened to be outside watching recess and uh all of a sudden he sees this kid just torching people in the field playing football (laughs) and uh he you know comes up and finds me and he's just like you know you ever thought about actually playing and um i told him i was like yeah you know i thought about it and you know i was playing flag football at the time i was like my mom said i was too small and she's like he's like don't worry about that you know we'll we'll get her on board and um, we just got to get you to these to these camps. And uh, he he gives me this this little flyer um, for like a, a sixth grade um, football camp. Um, you know, varsity players would volunteer to go to it and uh, help out. And I remember I looked at the flyer specifically and this flyer said $40 fee, though, to sign up. And I looked at it and I told him, I'm like, I can't afford that. I can't I can't get that that $40. We can't swing it. He's like, are you sure? Like, just, you know, just ask, just see what's going on. So I was like, all right. So I went and brought it to my mom. She's like, yeah, no, we can't do that right now. Like, she's not going to happen. So I'm like, all right, sounds good. So I brought it back to him and he's like, you know what? Don't even worry about it. Um, Let me see what I can do. And then uh, he introduced me to Coach Jones and, you know, they both told me and said, um, you know, they looked at the fee and they just were pretty much just like, if you miss a single one of these Wednesdays, you have to pay this forty dollars so if you go to the first one you are committed to it if you miss any one of them after that you have to pay this 40 bucks and he's like deal i'm like all right deal so didn't miss a single wednesday and uh that's what kind of got me that's honestly what really hurled me into um into kimberly football was coach heisler he was a big uh big stepping stone um in that in that aspect for me
1: that's awesome to hear how a relationship like that, even at the fifth grade level, is something you still remember, and how that helped you to get to where you are today. That's that's just really, you know, there are. It's amazing when you hear about those stories and that single person who just took the time to help you out and what that does,
0: and that's that's awesome to hear. I just one all took was one guy. That's it. Yeah. So so DJ currently now this is going to come out in audio form, so they're not going to get to see, but. I see you almost every morning. You're in you're in fantastic shape. So much so that you're in uh, competitions for for just being you. Um, you know, <laughs> you're training people and 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 physical fitness. I mean, what um, how are you liking life these days? What what what's it like to be a 24 year old? You know, you played college football. You're you're kind of moving into another phase of life now. Pretty good phase of life, by the way.
3: Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, it's a, yeah, I'm just chilling, honestly, you know, day to day. My life isn't very complicated. I wake up. Um, you know, I usually, you know, take some time to myself, you know, 15, 20 minutes, uh, sit out in the living room, meditate for a little while, go to the gym. Um, and, uh, you know, I get to, you know, change people's lives ultimately. So it's a, it's a really good feeling to be able to give back. Um, I've been really fortunate to have a lot of people in my life uh, who have helped me out in so many different ways that uh, it feels really good to be able to know that I'm helping, you know, these people who need it um, on a day to day basis. So, um, yeah, my life is my life is good. Um, I got a really awesome girlfriend. Um, You know, I get to hang out with her on a day to day basis. Uh, I got a lot of really good friends um and a really just you know good tight circle that are you know there for me and have my back so um and i get to see you know smiling faces like yours joe you know on a, every every single morning come on in you know and have good conversations so um yeah i really can't complain there's really not a whole lot to complain about honestly at the, at the stage of life that i'm currently in i read a lot of books
0: that's awesome. a lot of books i read a lot of books so i gotta tell you dub and i love love that part of part of the morning is, is when you're there and Shooting the breeze with you, and and you've helped us, and probably stupid questions that we ask, but uh, they're they're helpful to us, so we appreciate just as much. And you know, Tash too is, is he's a great book reader. I I, I go through streaks, but I, I love to read books, and it, it's great to hear that. Yeah, hundred percent. I definitely agree. I'm
3: currently reading the uh, the good old Compound Effect right now, so we're getting through that one. Nice.
0: So do you read to, to learn? Do you read for fun? Do you do a little bit of, a little bit of both? Um,
3: I would say honestly, a little bit of both because I read to learn, but I find learning really enjoyable. Um, so I definitely mainly read to learn though. I would definitely say that. So, um, you know, compound effect is more of a, I would say like a financial book, but the, you know, the, the idea behind the compound effect is practically just, uh, consistently plus time plus small, smart decisions. Um, you know, that is like the compound effect that equals radical differences. So I love that. Um, you can use that obviously with money, life, the gym, you know, your own fitness journeys, things like that. So just learning about that stuff and, you know, coach Jones and, you know, the Kimberly football program taught me a lot of those kind of lessons, but Uh, being reminded and re-seeing that stuff I've been away from that for a couple of years so um, just being reminded that you know that stuff is is real still and um, definitely you know usable Um, it's just good good for me I feel like I got too uh, too confident in my own um, my own abilities to uh, you know go through life that I started to kind of stray off on a on a bad path so we're, we're back we're back to it we're back to me and we're getting back
0: there so. that's good what what is your uh, you, i mean you still work out quite a bit what is your workout routine during the week what what are you doing
3: oh yeah so i'm working out five days a week um right now um so i typically try to get in the gym uh, monday through friday um take saturday and sunday to myself and then uh, my routine right now i'm doing what's called a bro split um so practically with the bro split you just work out two main muscle groups at a time um and just really hammer them for you know an hour so um right now my mondays are full body workouts um so that one is you know i just go in do a full body split do some kinesthetics and stuff like that uh shoot tuesdays would be chest and triceps wednesdays are legs and abs And then uh, Thursday is going to be shoulders and biceps and Friday is just back. So that's a that's a good old uh, five day split for me right there. So, DJ,
1: um, you've talked about, you know, a few coaches have made a big difference in your life and you're coaching right now. Really is uh, being an instructor at the gym. Is there any part of you that wants to get involved in coaching at, you know, like high school or youth level and getting in a football or track as well?
3: Um, I would definitely say eventually for sure. Okay. Um, definitely something. So I know I really, you know, coaching is something that I know is you, you dedicate a lot of time to that. That's something that you got to know you have time for. Um, and, uh, you know, I would never want to be coaching a small, you know, sixth grader and not being able to give them a hundred percent of what I got in my time. So, um, that is definitely something I eventually want to get into, uh, right now, i am looking to get into continuing to play uh football at a different level okay. um so i've been you know training and things like that this is uh my first fall where i haven't played football um and i'm telling you i just been itching to get back out there <laughs> um but uh eventually to
0: answer your question yeah for sure okay. so what would you look to play like arena football or what what are some options for you
3: yeah. I've been really, really looking into, uh, trying to get, um, a spot to play for the, uh, the green Bay blizzard. Yeah. So I'm trying to play some arena football would be really, really fun be a really good time. Um, it's just a matter of, uh, getting that info. I've sent in some applications and stuff, uh, you know, to obviously apply to try out and things like that. So, okay. um, sent some emails as well to some people in the offices out there. Um, thinking about just continuing to just be annoying and just show up one day and just say, Hey, this is
0: my name and here's what's going on. So, well, but yeah, that's where I'm, that's where I'm looking. We'll have to cut this out and blast them with uh, tweets and TikToks and everything So, the dude. I mean, seriously, this is a no brainer, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, we gotta, we gotta get them. We gotta get it. Just blast it and annoy them. <laughs> well, no, that that's really awesome. I mean, good luck to you. That that's kind of, that's really cool to, to see. And, and, man that's got to happen i I would love to see that happen we'll we'll come and watch some games for sure well dj this is uh this has been awesome and it's 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 been good to just finally kind of just get to know you hear your story it's like everybody it's an incredible story man it really is just the way the way you grew up and kind of kid and adult now that you've turned into it's it's really cool to see so i I think everybody's going to be pretty pretty taken aback when they when they listen to this story so thank you i'm glad you told us
3: yeah man no problem i'm a pretty
0: uh pretty open book so i've got a whole lot to hide
1: yeah thank you so much it was great to get to know you and we can't wait to get your story out to the community maybe we can get some leads on that uh arena football for you as well
0: yeah man more the (laughs) merrier i'd definitely appreciate (laughs) it in the meantime come to crunch everybody and and help ken out get a membership have dj train you i tell you what i love it there it's it's home for me so come check that out thanks dj yeah not a problem appreciate you guys for having me on um honestly it's
3: been an honor so uh you know obviously joe i'll see you in the morning (laughs) and then uh tosh man was really good uh really good sitting down and chatting with you
1: yeah you as well thank you very much
0: it's red smith banquet throwback time and we got a doozy this week once again they're they're all good but this one is is really good number 80 donald driver
1: yeah probably one of the most recognizable packers in the last 20 years uh he's done so much for the community his softball games his charity and just i mean what a great guy
0: yeah, I mean he's probably almost well more well known off the field than on the field. He was absolutely <laughs> incredible on the field, one of the best wide receivers the Packers uh ever had, but off the field like like you said the the softball tournament that he had every year kind of took the place of Brett Favre's softball tournament, one of the top yeah. events at uh, uh Fox City Stadium and then still uh, did, going on. Yeah, absolutely. and Dancing with the Stars and and just yep. More than anything, it's just Donald Driver's smile, man. That that right. that's really what it was.
1: Yeah, he's he's written children's books. Um, he has a new play out in Milwaukee called Dream Quickie Dream, uh, which is just coming out like as we speak. Uh, just, I mean, he's doing so much. Plus, his training academies. He has. Uh, he's uh, just a fantastic person. When you talk about somebody who represents the spirit of the Redsmith Sports Awards and the nice guy. He is that guy.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. He He's exactly who we as the Redsmith Banquet would would look for somebody exactly like Donald Driver. So this throwback is from 2010 Redsmith Banquet at the Paper Valley Hotel. And that was a heck of a lineup. We had Jay Billis um, and Whitey Herzog, one of the classic yeah. old baseball managers. But – this was in January of 2010. The, uh, I, I do remember it well, the, the Packers were in the playoffs. I don't remember who they played that week, but, uh, that that's right You know, the wild card weekend or the weekend after is usually when the banquet was held. And obviously the, the Packers were, were pretty decent through, through that time. Uh, so Donald came here on a Tuesday night. Um, that's typically their off day, but he came and went to practice the next day. And, and he, uh, Well, he graced the crowd as only Donald Driver can.
1: Yeah, it's a great interview. Uh, You look for that, you know, that Donald Driver smile, and uh, what what can you say? It's Donald Driver.
0: Absolutely, and and I think the surprise of being in that room that night, uh, he wasn't sure what he was walking into that night. I do remember that. So I think he was a little surprised to see, oh, I don't know, twelve hundred people out in the crowd.
1: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) If you enjoy this snippet. As you listen to Donald driver remember check out Mondays or Sunday's episode full Donald driver throwback which will be on YouTube and uh, hit subscribe on there and and uh, favorite and do whatever you need to to continue putting the message of the of the back out into the public
0: absolutely those, those Sunday mornings full video too so we, we get to see you get to see what the redsmith actually looked like.
2: Red Smith Sports Awards, Banquet Throwback.
0: The Red Smith Award, of course, goes to someone who has made some unique contributions to sport in Wisconsin,
3: and also epitomizes the great values
0: that Red Smith exhibited. Let's give a Red Smith welcome. (laughs)
2: Thank you all. <laughs> they said I only have like ten minutes to speak, so you gotta sit down fast because I, I talked for a long time. I could talk all day long. First, Bill, thank you so much for that great introduction. You know I gotta pay him for all that good stuff he just said, (laughs) so I really appreciate it. To the Red Smith Committee, thank you, thank you, thank you for uh, making me the recipient of um, this year's award. It is an honor to be mentioned with all the greats before me that have received this award. Um, My brother, I was talking to my brother on my way here, and he said, where are you going? I said, well, I'm on my way to Appleton. As my brother, he really don't know where Appleton is. <laughs> he thought I was on a plane going to, who, yeah, exactly, wherever. So I had to tell him, I was like, Alperton, Wisconsin, that's where I'm going. He's like, where you going? I'm like, I'm receiving an award tonight. He said, how many awards can you receive? <laughs> I said, not enough. <laughs> so, once again, I, I you know, it is, it is tremendous. You know, it's, it's very touching because I have received so many awards throughout my career. Uh, and people put you on this pedestal. You know, we all on this pedestal as athletes and the first time we do something wrong, we crumble. And uh, you know, I think everyone knows about the Tiger Woods then, and, and every other athlete that's been on, on top of a pedestal and when something bad happens, he crumbles. And, and one thing that I've always said to young people, and, and that's basically who I want to talk to today, the young recipients today, and mostly young adults, never give up on the dream. You know, I got drafted by the Green Bay Packers in, in 1999, and no one believed that I was going to make it. I mean, I had people say, "I just don't think this young skinny kid is going to make it." <laughs> but I never gave up, and I remember, I remember it like it was yesterday. I still talk about how Ron Wolf pulled me in his office. He said, "Look, I got everything riding on you." I said, "Everything?" <laughs> I told him, "I said, boy, I hope you don't get fired for this one, boy." <laughs> and he told me, "He said, I got everything riding on you. You know, they had drafted another receiver, a couple of receivers before me." And uh, I remember it, and I'm sitting there talking to Ron, I'm like, Ron, why you draft me 213? He said, Donald, you kept fussing about 212. I'm like, right, so you should to me 212 instead of 213. He said, it didn't matter, you're still is gonna get the same amount of money. <laughs> so I told him, I said, well, Ron, one thing I wanna say is that I am honored to be part of the Green Bay Packers Organization. I said, regardless of what milestones that I have accomplished throughout my career, is one milestone that I want more than anything else. And I think everyone in this room knows what that is. And that's putting a Super Bowl ring on my finger. But there's so many athletes out there that never get to that Super Bowl. And I'm not saying that I will never get there, because I've been in the playoffs out of my eleven years, I've been to playoffs seven times. And I haven't been to a Super Bowl yet. And that's one of my biggest dreams as a kid, was to be able to walk around with a Super Bowl ring on me. And everyone, is all 1,600 of you all say, don't let me see that ring. <laughs> and, that's, and that's always been a dream of mine. But when I walked out of there, I told Ron Wolf and Bob Harley one day, I said, if I never make the Super Bowl, if I never win the Super Bowl, as long as I'm in the Packers Hall of Fame, that's all that matters. And he said, well, you're on your way there. And that made me more happy than anything else. Because we all want that dream to win that Super Bowl. But Donald Driver don't have too much loan. (laughs) So within the next five years, (laughs) yeah. So within the next five years, I need all 70,000 fans in the stands, all the million fans around the world cheering us on so we can get past that first round that we should have (laughs) won, the NFC Championship game, because if you just cancel the second round out, that means we in the NFC Championship game already, and get to the Super Bowl. And all we need is all our fans to cheers on. And I know that next year, we won't let you guys down. Because that is our ultimate goal for not just me, but all the players in the locker room, the organization, the coaching staff. That's of all, that's, that is all our dreams, to win the Super Bowl and bring that trophy where it belongs back to Lambeau Field. On behalf of me, my wife that's not here, my two loving kids, We want to say thank you once again, God bless, and take care.
1: news to cast listeners it's time for that episode uh that we're finally nailing down it's the forgotten and never forgetting forgotten are those things that you just want to forget that uh, you know forget they happen hopefully they never come back and never forgetting are the things you want to continue to remember the rest of your life so joel i'm gonna let you uh take a little closer look at the forgot forgotten and what you have.
0: Well, Tosh, just like you said, you hope it's forgotten, you hope or forget, you hope it doesn't come back, but I have to bring this one back because it's literally driving me crazy. It's the corner of Driftwood, Calumet, and John Street. I've told this story before, <laughs> but it's seriously it's getting worse. The light <laughs> will not change. When you are on Driftwood facing north, so you're looking at John Street. Calumet's crossing in front of you, the light will not change. I, I have to run <laughs> a red light every single day. And I just, I understand that there's probably sensors in the road, but like I've said before, this is a dedicated bike lane. There's the little green sign with the little biker guy on it. That's there. That it's just, You're on a bike <laughs> lane. I'm not heavy enough to set off the sensor. Thank God, I guess, but I can't yep. set off the, the sensor so the light doesn't change. Maybe you just need to quit working out. Oh, I don't know what I need to jump. <laughs> I'm furious enough that I should be able to jump with enough power onto that to to change it. But uh, <laughs> I'm trying to forget, Tosh. I really am. Nice. But anyway, my blood pressure is is, is slowly coming down. What uh, what's happening in your world that you want to forget?
1: Well, it's that time of year uh, where if you have trees in your yard and <laughs> you have a, it's it's a leaf leaf picking up time. It's yard work time. It's fall and. I love the trees in the spring, in the summer, um, but the fall is a time that uh, you're just like, oh, seriously? So you mow them, you pick them up, take them to the dump, whatever you have to do. But it's that time of year that it's, uh, I love fall to death. I Seriously, it's my favorite favorite season of the year. But uh, the yard work tends to get a little bit, you know, it's, it's, it's moving into winter, cutting down plants and pulling out the garden picking up leaves yeah it's just that time of year
0: well you you (laughs) definitely i mean you have a big yard you you guys you and melissa do a lot of i mean you guys are farmers so there's (laughs) there's a lot there but i mean you guys have a lot of big trees in your neighborhood so i can only imagine it's got to be never ending until thanksgiving of just raking and blowing I always love a
1: strong wind. Unfortunately, it just moves it to somebody else's yard, not mine. Yeah. But hey, out
0: of sight, out of mind. <laughs> now, do you set up the the ice rink? Is that the last thing that, you do in preparation for winter? That
1: will, yeah, that'll be starting. Um, actually, I actually have to order a new uh, a liner for it this year. But um, yeah, we'll get the uh, you know once you don't put the liner and stuff in until the grass kind of goes dormant, so you don't kill off your grass. Right. But yeah, that'll be after Thanksgiving. Um, so we got a, we got a couple months yet for. For that to take place. Tosh
0: does Wisconsin right. He's figured out a way to use his outdoor space year round. (laughs) Try to. Yeah, you definitely do a little fireplace. You're you're good to go, man. You you got Got the fireplace. We have a
1: lacrosse field during the summer. We have a hockey rink during the winter. so
0: (laughs) It's good to go, man. Anybody needs tips.
1: Tosh knows how to do it. There you go. Excellent. Well, that's a good, good forgotten for both of us.
0: But what do you have for never forgetting? Well, Tash, I have to mention this. We we've talked about music now for a couple of weeks. We've each brought, you know, Jimmy Buffett we talked about, or spent a couple of weeks talking about Dave Matthews. And I I couldn't let this one slip. You know, we're recording this on on a Sunday night. So Friday night, Fish would have played their two thousandth show in Nashville. So I thought we gotta I gotta I'm never I mean, obviously it's 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 my favorite band ever. And I gotta just shout out Fish, man! Two thousand shows, and and the next night, the two thousand first show. Of course, they opened up with an epic Fish jam of of two thousand one. So it's uh, nice. They are playing so well, and they're so. Um, I gotta tell you that they're, they're kind of inspirational. In fact, just how healthy they are, and just you know, oh yeah, these guys. I mean, they're they're older than we are. I mean, they're approaching sixty, and th- these dudes can just play but they look great they sound yep. great
1: listeners you might not realize but joe saw a
0: thousand of those shows yeah, yeah. well i wish if, if you include youtube <laughs> shows if you include youtube <laughs> shows uh, shout out to jason bishop right you know he, he's he's yeah. the guy that's got all the shows or or Absolutely. chris green i the, the lacrosse community loves fish so the, 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 yeah. they'll get where we're coming from
1: that's awesome how many shows did you see
0: well live i've probably only seen like 30 some but um that's still a, that's, not, that's still an accomplishment. <laughs> yeah, I, it was a different era. I mean, I saw a lot in the '90s. Yeah. Um, but honestly, with with YouTube, it's it's on. It's probably what I should do. A forgetting is I forget it. It's just music on YouTube. I mean, all the shows are on there, or even Spotify now. Yeah. I mean, Fish is one of those bands where you can get so much of their music for free. You know, Spotify. You can literally get. I bet you they put out a hundred shows live. Yes, Dave Matthews yeah. does the same thing. Um, and you just listen to the shows, whatever ear, you know, a lot like the Grateful Dead. One of the cool things I like about jam bands are, or like, like a wine, right, Tash? I mean, mm-hmm. by era, they, they sound different through the, through the different eras. Absolutely. The songs are played different. Yeah. That's really cool. They
1: mature. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, it's, it is fun listening to old shows and coming back to newer ones and just hearing the difference and Absolutely. just knowing that, you know, 30, 40 years
0: later you're still listening to some pretty incredible music. No doubt and and so many people I know dislike Fish and, and and I I get you know I can't say that word all the time. You know, but I like I said I love them and one of the things I love about them is their sense of humor and that's carried through the you know they've been together now 40 years. Um yeah. They have just a unique and really really funny sense of humor that just plays through their lyrics, plays through their right. stage banter, just plays through who they are. So
1: and it is it is because of bands like that that we have the Iggy's, the Goose. Yeah. Uh, we we have those bands because of Fish, At, and great, and then Fiat yeah. Fish because of the Grateful Dead, and you know it. it the the train keeps rolling, it which does. is amazing to see.
0: In fact, it almost gets better and better. All the jam bands, you yeah. know, quote jam bands. I, I don't know what the right term is, but you're right. I mean, Joe Russo's band, and and. All of these different bands, I and mean, they, they, there was one that just came through. They're, they're smaller. Um, you know, the, the Runaway Grooms just played down at Poplar yep. Hall earlier uh, yep. this week. I mean, there's so many bands like that. Kendall Street, remember those guys from Milo Music? Mm-hmm. They were fantastic, yep. you know, they'd be considered a jam band. All the influence, you know, started with you know, the Grateful Dead, Fish, Dave Matthews. Those bands were yep. all, you know. In the 80s, 90s, when all these current bands now were were being born. So, or the kids were actually being born that are in the band. So,
1: it's excellent.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right.
1: Well, cool. That's good. That's awesome.
0: I'm going to move to my never forgetting. What do you never uh, forget?
1: You know, this is uh, the weekend of youth hunts. Oh, yeah. uh, A lot of people in Wisconsin. And uh, for my son, actually, my boys are out right now, Sunday, as we're speaking here. Um, Since Will's 18, he can take Ethan out on a youth hunt. So, they went out to the farm. And uh, they're going to go see if they uh, see any deer. But um, hunting is in fall in Wisconsin, it is a tradition for lots of families. Um, it is actually probably more about camaraderie and being together with friends and family than it is even about getting a deer. And that's the cool thing. It's it's being with, with people you like. My good, Our good friend Tim, who was on the show, sent me a, a collage of pictures from five years ago when We went down to his cabin in Viroqua and, um, had a youth hunt and Will was down there and his son Bear and our, my good friend, uh, Sam as well. And we did some youth hunting. We did some bow hunting and, uh, we drank some beer and bourbon and, uh, had a good time. So, you know, that's, that's what it's all about. It's about remembering times with family and friends and, um, and getting outside and enjoying, enjoying the outdoors.
0: Man, can't be anything better than that. That sounds so wonderful. Uh, I was actually just watching Tim is Hunting actually currently. I was watching some of his TikToks uh, before we hopped on yeah. tonight and uh <laughs> yeah, he's 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 awesome. We'll, we'll have to revisit him again sometime. He's but.
1: he's probably doing youth hunt with Bear because Bear is uh I don't think Bear is 16 yet. He's a year older than Ethan. So it might be his last last youth hunt. So Okay.
0: Now are both your boys and, hunting right now or what are they doing?
1: Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yep. yeah will will came back from college and he uh took ethan out and they're just doing their youth hunts um out at the farm right now so we'll see nice see what they get if anything but at least they're getting outside and enjoying life
0: so they hunt right at the farm and and uh yep yeah that's awesome and reeds reedsville yeah, yeah that's awesome
1: yeah we have some we have some bucks on the land we've seen them on the camera um some a couple nice ones some spikes some does so yeah we'll have to hopefully uh a little venison in the freezer
0: this year tash someday we'll have to do a new cast from a farm there you go excellent that would be good
1: i have i have one we can do i, I
0: think i, I think <laughs> i know that place so that'd be
1: awesome <laughs> all right joel that was another great
0: episode of the Nusa cast where do you think they can uh listen to more of these well tash there's a couple of places they, they can go one place relatively new a little thing called itunes uh, and another thing, too, I think it, that this just started as well, Spotify. So so those two new services, why don't you go check those out? There's little buttons there, little plus buttons that you can hit that, uh, hey, it really helps us out, Tosh, when they hit those buttons.
1: Absolutely. And they can also go to YouTube and check out the full throwback on Sunday
0: mornings. If you ever wondered what we look like, Tosh, check out YouTube, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Good luck, folks. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the NoosaCast. We appreciate your support. If you haven't yet subscribed, please do so and tell a friend. A huge thanks to Digstown for all the music in today's episode. Catch a gig or find them on Spotify. Northeastern Wisconsin Sports Advancement is a 501c3 organization. Our mission is to raise money, provide support, and create awareness for youth sports organizations in Northeastern Wisconsin. We do this primarily through the Red Smith Sports Award Banquet and the NoosaCast. Each year, we give back to the community through three initiatives, the Every Kid Plays, the Gives Back Initiative, and scholarships to student athletes.